On this week's episode, we're delving into the personal finance movement known as FIRE, which stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. It's a really interesting movement that, for a number of reasons, has gotten a lot of traction over the last few years and is really growing in popularity. To help us discuss it is my good friend, Logan Lecky. Logan's a strong advocate of the FIRE movement and he'll be able to bring his expertise on the topic to help us break it down, better understand just why it's proven so popular and help us to possibly adopt it into our lives. This is a great episode to help you understand FIRE if you don't know what it is. And if you do know what it is already, it's a really good episode to help you learn some good tips and strategies as to how you can better implement it into your life. So sit back, relax and strap in for what will really be a FIRE episode. Sorry guys. MoneyEd is an education platform for young adults who want to better understand personal finance and gain greater confidence in managing their money. Each week we'll address the important topics within personal finance that really matter to you in an informative yet easy to listen to approach. The best way to improve your personal finance is through education and we want to provide a place where you can learn outside of the classroom, office or lecture hall. What is going on guys? Welcome back to series four, episode six of the Money Ed podcast. Today I'm really happy to say we've got a special guest on the show to help us discuss an area of personal finance that is really growing in popularity known as the FIRE movement. This stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. I think you're really going to enjoy this show. I recorded the episode last week with Logan and he knows his stuff really. So if you really, if you want to find out about FIRE, and just kind of get an understanding of what it is. He breaks it down so easily and makes it really simple. But even if you already understand what FIRE is, this episode just basically, he talks about so many useful tips and strategies and ways to address FIRE as a whole, which if you really want to implement it into your life will seriously help you and benefit you. But before we get into the meat of the show, I just wanted to quickly remind you guys about last week's episode, which looked at the psychology behind saving. I really feel that understanding why we behave in certain ways and how certain mindsets we have influence our saving is super important. And in last week's episode, we explored just some of the ways the human brains affects our ability to save. So if you missed that one, I've shared a link in the show notes below where you can find out that episode. As always, guys, if you want to get in touch, you can email us or get in touch with us via Instagram and both the links will be in the show notes below. And finally, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review. The more reviews you get, the higher up in the charts will go and the more people that can see our show and hopefully learn about and improve their personal finance. So anyway, that's enough of the boring stuff. Here is my interview with Logan Leckie discussing all things fire. All right. So yeah, Logan, welcome to the show. How are you? How have you been? How are you doing? Yeah, hi Tommy. Thanks. Yeah, pretty good really. I keep myself busy. Um, Good. Looking forward to the weekend. I was just telling Tommy earlier, I got a holiday plan Sunday if the flight goes. Um, but yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks, That's good. That's good. So I've already kind of before this, just spoken to the, the audience a little bit, telling them about what we're going to do on the show and basically talking about the fire movement, you know, your view on it. I know you're a big advocate for it and we just want to get your opinion on it because I think for a lot of people, it's still very, a very unexplored area of like personal finance in general. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, the FIRE movement is, uh, stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And it's basically a movement that is encouraging people to gain financial independence and retire early, simply as that. And 
know, there are a number of ways you can do this. And the whole kind of premise is that you kind of save very aggressively in your kind of early years, in your early professional years. So then by the time you've reached uh, enough, an age and saved enough, you can um, live off the income of your savings. Um, but I'm going to stop there because I don't know it half as well as Logan. So Logan, you know, give us your take on it. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you explained it pretty well there, um, Tommy, but the whole concept is about kind of reaching that retirement age, you know, earlier. And, and the way you achieve that is through getting um, financial independence. And, you know, I think a big concept um, or kind of thought provoking comment I always like to like to think about is you know like 67 is the retirement age for a male in the uk and for me you know a big question has always been you know like why 67 like who just pinpointed this age out of nowhere um and kind of why or you know why do i have to retire at that age um so the whole kind of concept around fire is is you know how can we bring that bring that age forward and um obviously retire early um and i think if you know, three, three, four years ago, someone said to me, you know, I think I'm going to retire at kind of 40 or 35 or 45. I'd probably say, you know, no way that's, that's impossible. That'll never happen. And, you know, what the fire movement has done to me and, and how it's completely kind of changed my life and, and, and my outlook on my kind of timeline is that there actually is a relatively simple formula. Um, and if you follow it, um, and kind of dedicate it, uh, dedicate a bit of time to it and engage with it, then it is more than viable that you can retire much, much earlier, kind of around that 40, 45, 50 mark. Um, and the way I always like to see it is that you've got, I, I almost kind of take a step back and if you look at it like a machine, I always think you've got three levers. Um, you've got your income lever, you've got your um, expenditure lever and then you've got your kind of investment lever and the way the kind of fire um, framework operates is working out the best way to pull those levers all at the same time so they're all working together and then that shoots out or that equals um, an ability to hyper save to hyper invest and to compound your um, your net worth and what that does is, is, is that's what gives you financial independence. And that's what allows you to, you know, potentially retire early. Um, and the ins and outs of it really are, um, you know, once you are financially independent is when you've reached a point where your investment return is paying for your cost of living, which means that you no longer have to work because you're living off your investment return. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, one one point I always like to always like to always like to put a bit of emphasis on is this kind of retire early um, aspect of it, and a lot of people associate that of you know some guy sitting on the beach somewhere sipping margaritas, <laughs> um, but it's not. It's not. I mean, me personally, I mean, I, I've got no intention of just you know stopping stopping kind of mentally stimulating um, mentally stim stimulating work or or and just you know going off to a beach and 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 that's it for the next kind of rest of my life it's just i mean the key for me is this independence and freedom being that i you know i can choose exactly what i want to do i'm no longer constrained by a salary or constrained by money um if i want to work i can work but the minute i stop enjoying that and want to do something else because i am financially independent i can literally just get up and go yeah. with what yeah. you know, in the world you see a lot of people out there who who are just kind of constrained by money which means they kind of lose that freedom and independence
Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, certainly having spoken to people about it in the past, you know, one of the things I've always thought about is actually, you know, while it sounds so great to, you know, retire at 13, 40, that's still a lot, a lot of time to be so-called retired. So I think kind of from first glance, when you, when you, as you said, when you hear retirement, you think, oh, I'm going to go sit on a beach for 40, 50 years. But actually it's just that ability to be, as you said, to just be able to stop, um, yeah, as you said, like feeling constrained by money and being able to kind of uh, just kind of turn off essentially. <clears throat> yeah, exactly that. And, and, you know, a big thing people do is, is, you know, it gives them the opportunity to kind of follow their passion. So they don't, they don't just kind of stop completely. They might kind of pursue their passion in, you know, something a bit more creative, but obviously doesn't pay as well as their previous job, but they're much more happier. Mm. And, you know, guess what? They don't care that they're not being paid as much. Um, because they've reached that financial independence so it's all about kind of happiness and passion really and 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 your ability to then pursue that yeah and again i did did, just did some like kind of previous reading and there are a number of kind of different strategies you can take within like the fire movement because i guess no one person is the same and everyone has their own like preferences as as to what they prefer i remember kind of like i just googling stuff it kind of said you can have you can save anywhere from kind of 60 percent of your income so like 75, 80 and some like really extreme cases, but kind of what you personally, like you, you're, you're a big advocate of it. What do you have like a specific strategy you use? Like one that's kind of quite popular or have you kind of tailored your own way of doing it? So I think the, the really important thing about fire is finding the right balance. And for me, the biggest thing is just taking a step back and just thinking to myself, okay, what, what actually makes, makes me happy and what actually adds value to my life. And what I did is I pinpointed those areas and anything outside of those areas, I cut down all my expenditure on. Um, so a big thing for me is, you know, I really enjoy kind of traveling and kind of going to see other countries. So I, so I was always going to kind of spend my money on those sorts of kind of holidays and kind of big trips. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it was more kind of little things like, getting Ubers or kind of deliveries, which I used to do a lot of, but I just, I just took a step back and thought, you know, it doesn't really add that much value to my life. Um, kind of eating a prepared meal for me. Um, and it's costing me, you know, it doesn't seem like it's costing me that much, um, every month, but when I add that up every year and time it by 15 years, it's going to cost me a lot. So it's cutting out all of these things which don't add that much value to my life. Like buying a coffee every morning on the way to work, you know, didn't really do much for me. I'm, I'm not a massive coffee advocate. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I just, I just started, you know, making my own coffee and bringing it in. Mm. Um, so the key is just not to take it to the extreme where, you know, you're kind of living in a tent in Hyde Park and, and kind of, you know, eating pigeons every day. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's finding that balance. And you always are trying to maximize that savings rate because the more you can save, the quicker you're going to achieve financial independence. Yeah. But it's just reflecting on, you know, what brings me happiness? What adds value? Okay, I'm going to spend my money on that. Everything else, boom, it's gone. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I only like, so as you said at the start, the things to think about are just kind of your, your ability to save money. So cut down expenses. And like on the show previously, we, we, I mean, we did a whole series on outgoings, you know, how to effectively manage your outgoings and how to um, reduce them. And, and as you said, like you can cut down on things, you know, like the, like the Ubers, like the deliveries sort of things, like those kind of almost like non-essential outgoings as we'd call them on the show. Um, but one, one kind of, thing i always think about with with the fire movement and stuff and this whole thing of like really aggressively saving is that do you not think that you're kind of losing your your kind of uh lifestyle of today because 
because you know previous generations have been big savers and i feel like this generation especially the last like 10 years or so we've seen that whole kind of people want to enjoy themselves today and not kind of worry about um tomorrow sort of thing i mean how how does that kind of how does that fit into the, the fire movement if someone said you know i want to you know I, I don't mind spending um you know going out for uh, getting a takeaway or something like that yeah i think you know it is a valid argument and again i think you know there is a fine line and 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 kind of that balance which everyone i think should be looking at within the kind of fire movement um and you know i i think on one hand yeah it's great to live in the present day and and i truly believe that i do and and, and i don't think i kind of miss out on any opportunities mm-hmm. yeah. um I, I just think there is a huge amount of kind of wasteful spending. We live in a society where it's so easy to spend, you know, everything's <laughs> a click of a button away, you know, the minute you walk outside in London, you're spending money. Um, mm. So, you know, it, it's, again, it's not, the, it's not just cutting everything out of your life and just kind of living on your own and, and not interacting with anyone because you don't want to spend any money. It's just finding that balance and just looking at trying to cut out that more wasteful spending, kind of analyzing your, your spending to optimize how best to spend your money. How is it going to add the most value to my life? Um, and I think a good example to me is, you know, when I initially moved into London, you know, I moved into a house with kind of six of my mates. We, we went from, you know, being students to suddenly having this income and, you know, we arrive in London and, and it's just, wow, I've got this income. Oh, I'm in this big exciting city. I'm living with all my friends and it was just spend, 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 spend. And I remember it and, you know, it was just everything with Ubers to work, um, you know, always kind of Thursday evening in the bar, um, deliveries, never really cooking. And, you know, it's so easy to fall into these habits of just clicking your fingers and, and spending money. Um, yeah. And I just think, you know, if that's, you know, fine, fine to do it and get out of your system. But I think as you mature slightly and, and kind of progress a little bit in your career, it, it, it is worth taking that step back and thinking, you know, what actually is adding value to my life? Um, yeah, and then cutting out those kind of unnecessary um, expenses. Yeah, definitely. Um, sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. He's kicking off <laughs> for some reason. Oh, I, I, I didn't like my comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perhaps. But um, well, that's the thing. So, like, I guess for a lot of people, it's it, you can you know find that balance. And a lot of people, if you're really honest with yourself, can cut out those sorts of expenses. But as you just said, you know, you know, I'm I'm a, I've just started work. I hope to move into London one day. A big part of young professionals and young people's expenses is you know these essential outgoings that you basically you can't really substitute for i mean the i think there's a stat i was i've spoken about on the show before which is like 40 to 45 percent of young people's uh, earnings is spent on rent if you're living in london and i mean if you're trying to save you know 60 70 percent of your income you've already wiped out so much just on on sort of living and so do you think kind of to 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 kind of do this by movement do you think you have to like fundamentally change and actively seek to like reduce those sorts of expenses i don't think so i think i think you're spot on there and 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 we call it the kind of big three big three expenses in life and and you probably reference them in in your in your previous podcast but obviously you've got your uh, your transport your accommodation your food and like you said if you're moving into london yeah obviously rent's going to take up a big outgoing of expenditure and no I, I mean i don't suggest kind of move cities and kind of uproot your life definitely not um i think it's you know optimizing potential other areas um of your expenditure and just you know just accepting that a big amount of your expenditure is going to be your rent and also yeah i think yeah 
yeah, it's going to be hard to get that high savings rate. But then we're focusing in at the moment only on one of those levers I referenced mm-hmm. earlier on. And if you think you, you know, you're never going to get your rent down, your transport down just because you're living in London, then fine. But what about your income? What about your investing? How yeah, about focusing on those? Trying to start up a little side hustle, trying to um, push um, at your job for a, for a promotion, focusing on your investments, trying to kind of maximize those. Like yeah. I said, it's just finding the balance of each lever and just trying to pull each, each lever to the kind of maximum capacity. So you yeah. have all of them coming together in unison, you know, propelling you towards financial independence yeah absolutely and that that's another thing i was going to come on to was the income side of things because as you said there's these three kind of major levers you spoke about at the start and i think kind of so let's say kind of there's a young person listening to this and they're not in the highest paying job they're kind of they've got relatively high expenses they can cut down on um what i mean what would you say to kind of someone who you know doesn't have that you know that higher income but want to start saving a lot of money you know because it can be you know we can cut our expenses down a lot but there sometimes you just can't earn more or in the short term you can't earn more without as you said without getting like a promotion or starting a side hustle you know what kind of what, what's your kind of view on that so yeah it's a fair point i think what you're hinting at is there is this perception around fire that you need to be of a sort of caliber of income in order to achieve yeah. financial independence um, and you know, some people do argue that if you don't fit into those kind of medium to high paying jobs, then it's really unachievable. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, I, I just don't think that's the correct outlook really. It's almost giving up before you even tried. I think you've always got to start somewhere. Um, yeah. and, and, and you can always push forward and progress. And I think the hardest thing is breaking those habits, like the expenditure habits. And then I think, you know, as you do kind of focus in and have this big goal, which is, you know, I will be financially free and I will give up this job I'm, I, you know, I don't really like and be free to travel the world, um, spend more time with my family, do whatever. Once you've mm-hmm. got that motivation, you're vested in it. You'd be really surprised at the kind of opportunities that arise, whether it's that, you know, you find um, a new job which pays slightly higher or you start up a side hustle, which you never thought you would, but now you've got that motivation you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, financial, the great thing about fire again is that, you know, there are different levels of it and your goal might not be okay. You know, I need to be completely financially free or financially independent. It might be that I want to save up enough money and invest it. So my investment returns covers my rent or it covers my weekly food shop. And it's just, you know, transitioning and building up that passive income and then substituting it out of your expenditure Mm -hmm. and you'll start compounding and growing your money and then before you know it you could be much closer to financial independence than you think but if you just sit there thinking oh i'm only on x amount of money i'm never going to get that i'm never going to try then don't try and and guess what you'll never get there but i always say just give it a go and um and uh and you'll you'll always be surprised well that's well that's the thing i think and it's, it's a lot like, it's a lot, it's very common in personal finance with kind of savings goals, with setting goals. When you start that mindset, like, oh, I definitely can't achieve it. Then you're just almost setting yourself up for failure. Because if you look at, if you take away, if you don't look at fire and just look at saving in general, you know, everyone can save something and no matter what income you're on. And that's something that the personal finance community always push because it's true. You know, you, you may not think it, but even if you just save little incremental amounts every day or every week, it does build up. And as you said, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the investing side of it, but once you start actually saving up large amounts of money, you can utilize that um, uh, using the kind of the power of compounding interest, which I've spoken about before. But 
let's um let's yeah let's kind of move on from you know those first two levers we're talking about so we've we've kind of discussed you know you know the kind of expenses and cutting our expenses and you know trying to increase our income but let's now talk about the investing side of it because for a lot of people investing is a very scary topic um and understandably people kind of which i don't think it should be um you know i haven't you know our next series is all on investing but you know i've always kind of said to people it doesn't have to be as confusing and that's with personal finance in general so yeah so you know we've we've spent time now looking at the first two levers of you know fire so you know reducing our expenses and increasing our income and the next part of it is you know the investing side of it and that is really important um because like, the whole idea with fire is that you're constantly the money you're saving you're constantly investing it in order to you know kind of capitalize from you know the kind of compounding rates of return and basically making more money um and i think with investing it's a lot of people are quite scared kind of get quite anxious when they talk about it because it's supposedly this big scary world but the fire movement kind of breaks it quite down and simplifies it so do you want to kind of share that yeah bit? yeah definitely <laughs> i think you know first things first investing is a massive part of fire and i completely agree that there is this massively kind of negative aura around investing um being that people are afraid of it they think it's gambling they think they potentially lose all their money and mm -hmm. you know the way i always see investing is i always kind of envision it like if you're driving a car um and you're not investing it's like you're always stuck in first gear um and you know you 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 very quickly plateau uh, and what investing does for you it kind of unlocks those other gears and, and and like you were referencing there with the compounding you know as you start moving up those gears using investing you, you start flying along um so it, it really does make a huge difference and i think it, it has to be a massive thing this uh, you know for for society to break down this kind of negative um cloud around investing um, and like you said there tommy it's a massive part of um fire and i think exactly like you said that what, what what fire does really well is it really simplifies investing breaks it down and and and, and flattens it out into the very clear pathways and the whole concept around um, the investing style people pursuing fire usually use is that they're looking for you know one or two or three things. Um, they're looking for a kind of a very well diversified um, investment vehicle. They're looking for something with very low fees because they know fees um, eat into their investment return. And they're looking for something which is going to give them a consistent um, growth rate, um, which is equaling altogether you know quite low risk. Um, mm -hmm. So what, you know, the whole concept um, around this kind of investing um, strategy um, is that in the long term, in the long term, the market always goes up. Um, mm. And I think the biggest trap a lot of young people, well, a lot of people generally fall into is this idea that, you know, they can handpick a stock and that stock is going to be the next Facebook and, you know, <laughs> the next kind of Warren Buffett um, coming along. And if you just look at it, this is where I always think about it. You know, you've got massive, massive hedge funds and funds in the US who spend millions of pounds on software employing the cleverest people in the world. And even, even a lot of them can't even pick the right stock. So why, so why should I kind of sat, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere with, with, with no investment knowledge think I can pick, pick, pick a stock? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So a bit of a tangent, but that leads me on to what you were talking about, which is these index trackers. And what they do is they track the stock market. Um, mm -hmm. so they'll, you know, you have one which tracks the FTSE, you have one which tracks the S&P, you have one which um, tracks the uh, NASDAQ. And the whole concept is, you know, what, you know, 
I shouldn't be picking stocks. I'm just going to track all the biggest stocks in each of the markets and just ride the market up. Because as I said at the beginning, in the long term, in the history of the market, it's always gone up. Yeah. Um, so they're very, very low cost. The fees are very, very minimal. You don't pay any management charges because no one's managing your fund. You're just tracking the market. Um, and they average, you know, between seven, eight, nine percent every year over history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so simple. You just put your money in it. You, I mean, you don't waste any time researching, looking into stocks, looking into balance sheets. You're just tracking the market, you're tracking the biggest firms in the market. Um, yeah. And you just top it up, put your money in it and, and, and watch it grow at that kind of consistent growth rate. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're never going to hit, you know, some outstanding um, return on it and get, you know, 100% plus return. But you are, you know, you're always going to be getting a good average annual return. Yeah. Just, and for those of you who don't know, kind of an index is just kind of a, a bucket of um, kind of companies that you can invest in. So for example, as Logan said, you know, the FTSE 100 is an, in, an index, a group of the 100 biggest biggest companies in the UK. Uh, likewise, another one he referenced was the S&P 500, which is uh, a bucket of um, the 500 biggest companies in the US. Um, and we'll, we, you know, next, in our next series in investing, we're going to look at these and talk about these all in more detail. But you're right. I think kind of the, the issue with a lot of people and I think society at the moment is we're very kind of short, kind of short term thinkers. And as you said, the market over the last like, if you look at from kind of the 20th century into the 21st century has returned kind of seven, eight percent every year. And if you and, and that's the thing, like thinking long term, that that is brilliant. That is like getting that sort of consistent return for 40, 50 years can make you a lot of money through compounding but the thing is a lot of people can't comprehend thinking that far in advance um as you and i think that's a certainly a mentality thing and i think that's when i guess when people start fire that's something they have to kind of think about because you are saving for the long term you are thinking you know 20 possibly 30 years ahead and thinking and i think that can often be quite difficult for people and i think kind of another another side of it is is the which kind of comes in tandem with the kind of short term thinking is the fact that markets in the short term, as we've seen recently, are very volatile. So there's a lot of up and down movement in your investments. So, you know, just in this year, we've seen, you know, these these big indices fall like 30% and equally rise like 30, 40% within the space of six months. And I think for a lot of people that can scare them quite a lot. So I think a big thing you have to think about is, you know, a person's kind of capacity for loss and also their risk appetite. You know, am I able to just sit there while these, the, my money goes through these kind of peaks and troughs? And, you know, what, what kind of what would your kind of advice or kind of suggestion be for people who maybe struggle with that sort of that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. I think just just quickly touching on the kind of compounding point, um, I think, you know, compounding interest me and you could both kind of bang on about it for the next 20 minutes. And, and it's quite a hard point to, to kind of get across verbally. Mm. Um, so what I you know, recommend to everyone I speak to is just jump on an online calculator and, and you get some really cool graphs, which, which show you the power of compounding because mm-hmm. um, compounding is a hell of a thing. Um, and I don't chuck the L around the world, um, the L word around much, but I truly do love compounding interest. <laughs> um, and, you know, Albert Einstein said it's the eighth wonder of the world. It's yeah. a great thing and it's magic. And, and it basically means, you know, your money can always grows exponentially. Um, and it's great. But like I said, I think the best thing to do if anyone's listening and, and doesn't know about compounding interest is, is jump on an online calculator. Yeah. Um, but and sorry, what, Jack, go on. 
I'll say what we'll do is we'll chuck a, we'll, I'll chuck a link in the show notes to, um, cause again, I've used these calculators before. I'll chuck a link to one of them in the show notes. So you can just go on your phone there and then and try it out. But sorry, Logan, carry on. Yeah. So I think just pivoting back around to your original question there, Tommy. Um, so yeah, I investing, it's, it's tricky because you know, it goes against some of our kind of mentally ingrained kind of innate responses, which is that if you see your your money kind of tumble in value, which you probably did if you, if you had money invested in, in kind of March, April. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing is you panic, sell, 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 sell. Um, and you, I mean, you need to have a long-term outlet. You have to have it. You can't think I'm going to invest and I might pull my money out next week. I, I might pull my money out um, you know, next year. You have to be in it for the long term, and that's kind of five years plus. So every time you're putting money into the stock market, into a tractor or whatever uh, investment vehicle you use, it's so it's so key. It has to be long term. And the worst thing you can do is react to market news, react to something, and 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 time the market. Um, like I said, you know, no one knows what's going to happen with the stock market. I think the last four months reflects that perfectly. We had yeah. the biggest drop since. 1929 and then we had the biggest rise since since whenever Um, (laughs) (laughs) so that that long-term outlook is 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 so important you know you need to trust that the market will always go up in the long term and the minute you trust that and again um if if you can tell me there are some great graphs which show like the history of all the markets in the world and guess what none of them have ever dropped over over the last hundred years that you know they drop but then they obviously go back up Mm -hmm. so as long as you trust the market um you know, and, and follow that long-term outlook. But, I mean, that's key. That's yeah. key. And, you know, another good tactic is, is, is try not to check your investments that often because a lot yeah. of people are going to see them drop. And then, you know, it's just, it's just a little kind of appetizer to, um, to, you know, pull your money out. Yeah, massively. I, I, that's, that's a massive part. And that's sort of like a kind of psychological behavioral um, thing that like you have to just emotionally, tr- I mean, it's very difficult to detach your emotions from money at all. Like I've always said, I'd, emotion emotions are always going to, be involved when you're talking about your money but you just have to try and to kind of detract your emotions as much as you can really and i think kind of you, you know you touched on a really good point there because one of the main criticisms of fire recently is that kind of our oh, people have been doing this during a bull market you know where investments have only increased but i think i think as you've just pointed out that's irrelevant because you when you're investing this money you should be thinking about the longer term you should be thinking about you know 20 30 years in in advance so these kind of small one year kind of blips or you know decreases in the value of your investments actually don't really um kind of play play such an important part i think yeah definitely and and you know with fire i mean i'm not going to go into all the kind of calculations behind it but there there are there are a set number of principles you use when you're achieving fire um, and they all kind of relate back to, you know, the biggest question about achieving financial independence is, you know, I need enough money to last me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the calculations, the assumptions are used to underpin these calculations um, all uh, take into account, you know, potential market downturns and stuff like that. And, and, mm-hmm. and long story short, the crux of it is that, you know, when you're following the kind of 4% withdrawal rule, um, you, you end up having enough money um, saved up when you do reach financial independence that you can mm-hmm. sustain, you know, big markets drops, which, which, um, which, which just, just happened. And, you know, when the market did, did tank, you know, you didn't see, you know, or within the fire community, you know, no one was kind of panicking that much. Obviously it was a bit of a, a bit of a shock seeing your kind of portfolio drop by 30%. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, the mass always underpins that. Yeah, absolutely. So, we've invested our money, we've built up, you know, a pot and we've reached that kind of that number, which is our so-called 
the number the number amount of money we have in our account which we can retire on and there's a kind of a rule that people in the fire community follow where you only withdraw a certain kind of i think it's about four percent isn't it of, of your um investments as income um could you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more yeah definitely so again this is one of those things where i'd love to have a little graph in front of everyone but obviously we're on a podcast so i can't so maybe again i'll um send tommy a couple of things to chuck in the show notes but i'll do my best at explaining this verbally um so i, I spoke a little bit about this earlier but you know fire isn't just this kind of thing where you just save money and then kind of randomly feel you know oh i'm ready i'm gonna financially i'm you know i'm gonna retire and i'm financially independent there are quite a quite a few simple but but very kind of integral calculations underpinning um fire and like tommy just said one of them is a four percent rule um so the concept basically is that if i want to work out what number makes me financially independent first of all i need to work out what my um what my expenditure my annual expenditure is going to be when i retire so if I think, right, I probably need 40 grand every year to live off when I retire, um, you times that number by 25 and it, it will give you a big round number. I'm not going to try and do that in my head. I think it's around, <laughs> eight, it's around 800 grand, 800 grand to, to a million, which sounds like a lot of money, but just bear with me while I, while I go through the math. And you've got that number. So let's just, just for simple terms, let's, let's call it um, a million pounds. And like Tommy said, you need to know how much you're withdrawing from that every year. And like I said, if I want to live off um, 40K and I've got, you know, between 800,000 and a million pounds in my investment account. And like we discussed earlier, the average um, investment account, if you're tracking the market index, gives you a return of between, let's say, you know, five to 7%. Mm -hmm. And so for just, just to make the numbers easy, if, I've got a million pounds in my investment account and I've, I'm, I'm returning 7% every year. That's 70K, right? Mm -hmm. Every yeah. year, which, which, which is coming in just from my investment return. And this is a classic case of money working my seat. I'm doing nothing for this. I'm just getting that return. Um, mm -hmm. So, right, that's 70K a year. And I said to you a minute ago that I'd be happy to live off 40K at 40K every year. So, you know, just by that simple math, I am financially independent because I've got 70K coming, uh, coming in on average. Mm -hmm. um, some years might be slightly less some years might be slightly more but because I only need 40k to live on even if it's less than 70k I've got that buffer right mm -hmm. yeah. and this is where the magic really comes into play and because I'm living off 40k and my investment return is 70k I'm never eating into my investment principal and mm -hmm. the principal yeah. is the kind of base amount in, 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 in your account so my investment account is actually growing every year but I'm still extracting money out of that account to live off every year so my yeah. investment account generally is growing it's still growing every year year on year but i'm extracting enough money to live off and 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 and, and that's the beauty of it because mm. i mean your money is actually still growing but you're still extracting enough um to live off every year and not eating into your principal and that's the whole concept underlying the four percent withdrawal role it's it's finding that um that that magic number which allows you to draw down um every year without eating into your principal yeah absolutely and you know a story a story i read recently actually was about um this canadian couple who were brandished kind of the 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 poster children of the fire community because they they managed to reach financial independence in their early 30s um and again they did the similar thing they they reached kind of i think it was seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollars and they were about to buy a house and they thought, actually, why not? Why don't we 
keep this in our investment account, you know, rent um, a little bit more and then make up, build even more money. And so then I think within five years, they turn that 800,000 into like 14, uh, sorry, 1.4 million um, in kind of half the time they'd made 800,000. And that kind of just shows the power of once you have that large amount of money, how quickly you can actually generate um, even more kind of additional money. But one of the one of the criticisms I had of when I was reading that story is, and I think what a lot of people had is that they kind of they they didn't choose to buy a house, which for a lot of people is uh, you know a big kind of financial goal. They didn't have things like they didn't have any children. They they kind of they their expenses were kind of relatively low, and I think for a lot of people, you know, a million pounds when you talk about that, a million pounds sounds like a lot of money and as kind of me and you both both know, like if you're investing it correctly, as you said, you can accumulate that sort of money in what would be a lot, a lot of a, a much quicker time than people would think. So kind of what would you say to people who, who are kind of, who kind of criticize the fireman in that way saying they're foregoing kind of other financial, financial goals like buying a house, because I think for a lot of people to save up a million pounds and then also have enough money to go live a kind of buy a house would be kind of incomprehensible. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, you know, first things first, it's this kind of when people hit you with these big, massive kind of almost incomprehensible numbers, like a million quid Mm -hmm. um, or like 800 K or 700 K, you know, it is like crap, like that that is a lot of money. I'm never going to get there. Mm. Um, but again, like, like we've been talking about um, throughout this podcast, the power of compounding and again, just making these kind of life changes and pulling those levers I was talking about, you'd yeah. be so surprised that you'd be so surprised the actual time frame it's going to take you to get there. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a classic kind of innate human response. They, you know, like we said, we, very short termism, you know, struggled to you know, look at that longer term journey. Yeah. And again, I, I, I'd, 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 I'd recommend people just kind of experimenting around, seeing how long it would take them to kind of get, get to those big numbers. And I guarantee you, you'll be, you'll be much more surprised um, yeah. than you think in terms of how long it takes you to get there. In terms of sacrifices, I mean, it's so subjective, right? I mean, you know, no, no two people want the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Getting on the property ladder, yeah, I think it's a massive thing. Um, I think, again, it's, it's a classic personal finance decision. Um, you know, you're not, you're not wasting money on rent. Instead, you're, you're, you're paying into a mortgage, which is actually going into an asset, which you earn. So yeah. in, in, you know, in, in my view, that, 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 that is a pretty fundamental step in terms of building your wealth. Um, but, you know, like anything in life, lots of debates about what, uh, what the actual best route is. Some people choose to just carry on plowing money into their investment fund. Other people choose to, to get on the property ladder, which obviously sets them back a bit in terms of their journey, but then they've got mm-hmm. this asset. Yeah. Uh, which is which hopefully growing in value under their name. So, I mean, I, I can't really answer that one directly because yeah. it is so subjective, but um, lots yeah. of good debates out there online about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, yeah, you touched on it so well there. It is so subjective. It's completely dependent on what your financial goals are. And, and that's a massive part of the five movement is understanding, really understanding what you want from life in, in your kind of personal goals and your personal financial goals, you know, as, as we touched on, I had a couple of guests on a couple of months ago now, and they were both, and we had the debate of, you know, renting versus owning, which is, which is the best. And they were both, you know, advocates for buying a house, like I think a lot of people are, because it is such a big financial milestone. Um, but I think, you know, we might, we might see that trend change a little bit. I think kind of renting is certainly going to become more popular. Um, so actually maybe because of that, kind of 
alongside that trend will be an increase in the fire movement. But um, we've almost been going for kind of 40 minutes, 45 minutes now. So I thought I'd just um, finish up and ask you a little bit about kind of what you're doing in the fire movement, because I believe you're developing an app. Is that right? I don't, I, you can share as much or as little as you want, but yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly that really. It just, I think a couple of things happened to me when I was pursuing fire. I think, I mean, first things first, I've always been very interested in um, entrepreneurship and, and, and I've always been, you know, one to notice inefficiencies, potential gaps in the market. But anyway, I was kind of pursuing fire and two immediate things became pretty clear to me. One was that the people who were actually pursuing fire used quite primitive methods. I mean, everyone uses Excel spreadsheets to kind of map out their journey and to kind of track their savings rate and so on. Um, and so did I. Um, and just got very frustrated with how much kind of effort and attention had to go into kind of updating these spreadsheets. And it was all just seemed very primitive. Um, so, so, so that was the first thing which kind of led me into uh, my new venture, um, which is this financial freedom app. And the second thing was, again, I mean, I genuinely believe that this idea behind fire can have such a positive impact in someone's life and completely change their life like giving someone the ability and providing them with the structure tools and resources to achieve financial freedom will change their life by definition um and you know my vision has always been you know i want to build um an app which almost acts as you know a bridge or a channel um to turn financial freedom or the fire movement into quite a small niche and turn it into this kind of thing that like everyone knows about and um and everyone has the option to potentially try and pursue it if they want you know it's not for everyone fair enough but you know i think it, you know i think it really needs an app which acts which acts at that um as that sort of kind of transition mechanism to help people achieve it um and get them to financial freedom you know i, I genuinely believe you know it can change someone's life and you know i think where it really has a big impact is people potentially you know, have a job they don't really like, um, aren't that happy in it, but, you know, f financial freedom gives them that kind of extra opportunity of, you know, guess what, you know, you don't have to sit in that job for another 30 years. If you just follow these kind of, uh, follow, the, follow this structure, pull these levers, then look, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, um, you can be financially free. Yeah. So um, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm in the process of creating um, an app called Topia, um, mm -hmm. you know, which is going to provide all the uh, tools, structure, resources to help any user who comes on board get to get to financial freedom. So that's what I'm spending my time on at the moment. Um, we're working hard to um, develop it at the moment, and we're hopefully looking to launch it end of September. Oh, that's that sounds brilliant. That sounds incredibly. Sounds super passionate about it. So that sounds really good. No, I'll definitely um keep that in mind for when it comes out and um just as a final thing you know you've you as you said you're you're super passionate about this you're a massive advocate for it where do you think kind of the listeners can if they want to learn more about the fire movement what are some of the kind of the best resources you've used to help you really better understand it so um me personally uh, mr money mustache is uh one of the biggest financial freedom bloggers hopefully maybe we can get a link in the show notes to him yeah. Um, he really does a good job at just mapping out exactly what it is, breaking it all down. Um, and he's got lots of articles. Um, there are a couple of great podcasts as well. Um, you've got Choose FI, you've got The Mad Scientist. Um, <laughs> some funny names in there. Um, 
but they were my kind of go-to tools really and um, which taught me kind of all and everything i know um yeah. and you know I'd, I'd really recommend just having a read just you know each article probably takes you know less than five minutes just have a couple of reads of it see what you think if it's for you then great if not at least you know about it um mm. but yeah they're the they're the couple of resources i'd recommend yeah i mean that's that's what you, that's why i always say is you, you kind of you just got to try it give it a go you know you know do a bit of research and you know what it might not be for you you know for this fire move the fire move might not be for you you know you might be one of those people who love spending and kind of living for today and but that's okay like ever like, like we're not shaming you if you want to spend your money now <laughs> um but definitely i would say give it give it some reading i've done some reading over the last kind of week or so and it's, it's kind of has opened kind of my eyes quite a lot but um I think we'll I think we'll finish up there, Logan. It's been really, really like great having you. I think you've explained kind of the fire movement really, really well. Um, you've spoken about your app, um, Topia Life already, but what kind of where else could people find you or get in contact with you if they had any other questions? Yeah, so your best bet would would be uh, to go to our website, uh, which is just Topia Life, um, and yeah, you can find my details there. Uh, more than happy to people to reach out to me obviously um mm. I'm, I'm 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 always replying um so yeah that would be the best place brilliant cool i get again guys we'll, all, everything we spoke about we'll share we'll share the links um in the show notes so you can just click it straight away and it'll take you straight there but brilliant well that is the fire movement in about 40 45 minutes so we hope you've enjoyed it we hope you've taken loads of value from it and again logan thank you so much for coming on we really do appreciate it yeah, no worries, guys. Thanks for listening. And yeah, once again, guys, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or you know any feedback or criticism, let us know. You can get in touch with us at the usual details or you can get in touch with Logan at his website, which is Topia Live, and I've shared the link in the show notes below. So that's it for this week. Next week's show, we're going to be talking about saving and how COVID-19 has changed the way we save. And this is going to be a really interesting one because I feel like a lot of you will be able to relate to it because I think a lot of our views on personal finance in general have changed since COVID. I know uh, a lot of people have, you know, changed their outlook and things like that and have just thought more about saving now that something like this has happened and it's been a big shock. So there are going to be some really good uh, you know, tips and strategies and ways you can change your personal finance and the way you save, uh, you know, to better protect you if something like this happens again which fingers crossed it won't but anyway that's it for this week guys as always you know have a great week you know keep spending keep saving keep doing what you are doing and we will chat to you next week